0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod. It's May 15th, 2023, on the eve of the NBA Draft Lottery, so it's like tomorrow we figure out where do we get to pick in the draft in the next month. Um, it's you know right now we're we've got the seventh best odds to move up um, and have a chance to get the number one pick, which would be Victor Wembanyama, and, and so there's a chance. There is a chance that we could add Victor Wembanyama to our team tonight. There's a chance of that. Uh, tomorrow, at this time, there will be. Well, not for sure. Um, It's just, it just, it would be so amazing if the Pacers won the lottery, this this year. Um, It was fun. I was listening to a podcast. I think it was, I I think it was the, uh, it was on the Ringer. It was um, Kevin O'Connor and, um, I think it's Jay Kyle Man. Maybe that's how they pronounce his name. Anyways, they did a, they did a uh, like a mock draft and they just simulated the odds. And the Pacers ended up winning it, and so you know we it really we were, I was really able to kind of em, embellish the idea of Victor Wembanyama on the Pacers, and um, just adding you know it would just be so incredible Tyrese and Benedict and Andrew Nimhard, and then we add Wembanyama, um, we would become like the most interesting interesting franchise in the league. I think it's almost like whoever does get this guy is going to be the the number one team to be. I can't wait to watch him play next year. I can't wait to see how his game translates, you know, in the NBA. Does he come in and just automatically, you know, like I think because Paolo Paolo came in and averaged 20. Like does Wimby Wimby Niamh come in and averaged 20 and nine rebounds and four blocks? Like does he lead the league in blocks or you know, it'll just, I just can't wait to see how he plays. So even if he ends up on a team like uh, like Charlotte or, you know, I guess that's really the, uh, I don't know, just some team that's not really that interesting. Um, they immediately become interesting with, with getting the, the winning the lottery tomorrow night. So right now it's like, you just you're like that guy that just, you know, it's Friday afternoon, just got off work, stopped at the gas station maybe picked up, you know, a cold 40 out of the fridge, maybe two. Um, go to the counter, get some lotto tickets, head to the truck, scratch it off with our lucky, you know, quarters or whatever our good luck charm is. And we are just hoping right now that the Pacers come up with the number one pick next year or next. Yeah. For this draft tomorrow night, when we find out. So, um, Our lives could change just like that that night sitting in that truck in that parking lot about to about to have my life changed quit this damn job you know um so yeah we'll just have to wait and see you know how the pacers end up but regardless it's going to be awesome to know what pick we have maybe we move up a little bit maybe we end up with like the fourth pick or something that'd be exciting odds are it looks like we're going to be you know picking around six seven eight um so that's kind of where the expectations probably should be at this point. Um, and yeah, so that's going to be fun. Really start to know what range of guys, you know, who who we, who we have a good chance of drafting, the teams ahead of us, any like trades, you know, th- that stuff really starts to kick up once we obviously know the draft order. And um, yeah, so the last time I had, the last podcast I did was shortly after the regular season ended for the Pacers and, you know, basically just kind of like wrapped up the season for tonight. I was, um, I've just been real, like, I'm just, my mind's been like going 24 seven, just thinking about what players we might have on our team going into next season, just with, the the way that the, the roster is currently on the Pacers, it just feels like anything could happen. Um, And so I just wanted to kind of like some of the guys that I've just been slightly interested in um, that I think would be maybe good fits for the team. I wanted to kind of go into those in this episode. But, you know, kind of like before I get into the actual players, it's kind of like, what should we be looking for? Like, if we're the Pacers organization, what. What type of players am I looking to add right now? And, you know, I think you got somebody in Tyrese Halliburton that you are trusting. You're giving him the keys. You're letting him be behind the scenes. He's a decision maker in how the organization goes about player acquisitions and, and probably roster moves for the next hopefully 10 years. hopefully more honestly but at least 10 with Tyrese um and he's one of those guys that from everything you hear is just making it, it such a fun environment I think the last thing that you want to do is bring in players that don't fit in culturally and that doesn't obviously it doesn't mean everybody needs to be the same type of person or the same like you know oh everybody's going to church on Sunday morning because Tyrese does and I'm not saying Tyrese goes to church but or doesn't it just I obviously don't know it's just I'm it's like yeah I'm not I'm not just because Tyrese is the way he is I'm not saying that we need people that are just like him it's just like you don't want somebody to come in and like really not fit culturally um and so I think that's one thing you really got to look at. Um, obviously, talent is, is is very important, but um, culture and the vibes that go on throughout the season, I think those types of like intangible things that don't show up on the box score, I think they matter a lot. Especially, if, I mean, if the Pacers are if the Pacers are trying to build championship type culture, you know, like the Spurs were able to do. You know, it starts with, like, you have to have really good players, but then you also have to have um, the team be extremely cohesive and win, you know, know that you're not maybe not always going to have the the top, the best talent, but you're going to have a unit that believes that that's that's in agreement on how things how the team's going to play and kind of like what the what the identity is and just being able to play together. And so um, I think that's one, one thing that you, you know, you obviously are looking for if you're thinking about adding players to the team. Um, I mean, just an example those, like I saw on Pacers Twitter, they posted some pictures of some of the players are back in the practice facility. And it's, you know, at the, at the time it was May 10th, it's May 15th now. And I, uh, I I counted, like, just looking at some of the pictures, there was there was Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nimhard, Chris Duarte, Jordan Wara, Kendall Brown, Daniel Tice, Isaiah Jackson. That's like eight guys. I was surprised Tice, you know, Tice is there. And it made me think, hmm, maybe maybe Tice is going to play a little bit next year. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm, I'm not saying anything else besides that. But I was just a little surprised to see Tice there. Um I don't know. We'll just kind of leave it at that. But basically like the fact that all those guys are, are back, I don't think it's mandatory. I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but um, well, cause if it was mandatory, you'd see everybody there, I, I suppose. So I would assume this is voluntary. Um, I saw Aaron Neesmith was in Indianapolis. Um, I didn't add, I didn't have him on that list, but I just remember something else I saw. So you're talking eight, nine, 10 guys that are around the area um, I just wonder if that's going to continue throughout the summer. And just, that just speaks to the, the vibes of the locker room and the vibes of the organization. So when we're looking, when we're adding players, it's like, let's not tip that apple cart over. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's find guys that are going to fit with what we're trying to do here. Um, on the court, I think you're looking for some play, like players that are comfortable playing fast um ball movers. You know, offensively we want I, I think what Rick Carlisle really wants to have is fluidity, you know, a fast, a fast pace, but not just but good shots and ball movement. And you know, when the ball's really humming, passing up good shots to take great shots, you know, is is ideal. And the pacers had some of that magic going, I mean, this past season. And I just have to imagine, you know, that was probably I think the offense is only going to get better from here just because of our, our core is so young. It's like, um, you know, looking forward, it's like, we should just have tons of growth just by the fact that of the guys on our roster, Nimhard and well, you know, Tyrese, Nimhard, Benedict, hopefully you could put Ijax in there. Like those guys, they're young. And so another year of that, like next year, we're going to get to see. going to get to see them and so i think our offense is going to be better next year and we've got guys like tyrese and nimhard and tj mcconnell that are that are going to be that are capable of pushing the pace and so when we're looking to add it's like we don't want somebody that 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 is you know not well equipped to play that style of basketball um i think we definitely need to be looking for the glaring hole is the power forward, you know, bigger size wing. If we want to put, if we want to put Matherin as the three, that's okay, I suppose, but we certainly don't have anybody right now at the four with all due respect to Aaron Neesmith. Um, it's just like, that's a glaring hole that if we want to be a playoff team, I believe that we need to address that. Now I, I mean, and, and that that's what i think that the organization i think believes that as well but so i think that's that's the thing that we have to do this off season is is kind of raise our um you know raise up raise up our skill in that power forward small forward range and with that adding some defensive versatility, some athleticism and some toughness, it's like those big wings, those six eight six ten, even six seven guys. I, those are the guys that this offseason I I hope the Pacers add at least two two players that fit this mold of that wing power forward position um and here's what who here's who I thought maybe would would do a good job at doing that The first guy I want to talk about is and and this would be somebody that we would have to acquire through trade but I really like the idea of adding somebody for next year like dorian finney smith um who's currently on the brooklyn nets and dorian he's 30 years old um he's a six foot seven tough nose defensive minded um three-point shooting wing and he's played for rick carlisle before um He's a guy that I think culturally really fit would really fit with the Pacers. He I think he could be a really good vet to have on the team. He's got um, I looked it up. What was that? Uh, So he's getting paid fourteen million dollars next year. Then he's under contract for the following year, fifteen, and then the follow and then the year after there's a player option for another fifteen million. Um. So he's under contract for a couple years. Essentially, that's like. That might be even a little bit longer than like Miles Turner's contract currently. So, you got him for a couple of years for sure. And I think even at the end of the if at the end of his contract, I think that Dorian Finney-Smith comes in. If you go out and get him, um, I was working the NBA trade machine, and I was there's this trade works. I don't know if this is enough to get Dorian Finney-Smith, um, but. I think it might be kind of close and I'd be willing to put a little bit more in it, but basically I think you could give uh, Jalen Smith and Daniel Tice's contract and maybe one of our first round draft picks this year. uh, One of the ones in the twenties that on paper gets it done for Dorian Finney Smith um, contractually. I don't know if that's enough for Brooklyn. I don't, you know, I don't know what Brooklyn's doing. Maybe they are, uh, I, I just have a, I have a feeling they may not see him as, um, long-term, somebody they really want to have around just, uh, based off of where they're at. Um, but maybe the fact that he, you know, he is a wing and maybe one late first round draft pick isn't going to be enough. Um, but it might be, I don't know. I, I don't think he's worth too much more than that. Um. But I'd be willing to throw in some second-round picks or, um, I don't know, maybe a different combination of players. Maybe they'd rather have Crystal Duarte and Tice or, or something like that. But um, point being, Dorian Finney-Smith would have a pretty, I think, low cost. And his contract is, for a couple years, Um I just I like watching him play. I just I like to, I like his game a lot. And I think um I, I really buy into the the idea of him being on this team and bringing some toughness and some veteran uh leadership in you know cuz I have a feeling, you know, maybe Buddy Hield and maybe the vets that we currently have aren't going to be on this team 3 years from now, but I think Dorian Finney-Smith could be on this team 3 years from now and I was, you know, this is what, I mean, what he, he's average here, he's making, you know, 13, 14 million dollars a year. So he's just a, kind of a mid-level uh, player, but he brings a lot of things that the Pacers need uh, defensively and just, I think, toughness-wise. Um, and he just seems like a guy you want to root for. I mean, he's got, he seems like a high-character guy. He comes from very humble beginnings. Um, he's, he's made his way. Um, it, I think, I don't, I, I wish I looked this up. I feel like, I feel like he maybe was undrafted, but uh, he wasn't, he wasn't like a lottery pick. Um, but at the same time, he also, he's not an all-star in the NBA, but he, he's a good, I think it, I think if the Pacers were to acquire him this off season, um, going into the next season, I would be really comfortable with Dorian Finney-Smith being our starting power forward or starting small forward. Um, If we end up adding somebody, you know, even bigger that that we want to start a power forward. Um, Yeah, he's just a low maintenance type of player. You're not going to have to run any plays for him, but he still makes he makes an impact when he's out there and he he contributes to winning basketball. Um, I mentioned earlier, he played for Rick Carlisle in Dallas and he's had a total of he's played in 35 playoff games. So more than the entire Pacers team, Um, way more. I would assume, maybe not since they have Tice right now. Technically, maybe th- maybe he's been in more. But uh, uh, point being, you know, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, he's he's been in playoff games, thirty-five of them. He's made it to the conference finals, and his playoff numbers are really impressive. He's averaging thirty-five minutes a night, so he's he's putting big minutes. He's he's definitely a he's a starting level player in the playoffs that, so far in his career. And he's averaging 10 points, five rebounds, two assists, um, about one and a half, you know, steals and blocks combined, shooting 41% from three, 44% from the field and 73% from the free throw line. So, um, you know, great three point shooting numbers. And he puts them up because that's, you know, he played with Luka. Uh, you get open shots. And and then so for Finney Smith, it's like he can knock down open shots and he brings you a lot of positive Things on the defensive end, um, to me, he seems like a really good option to try to go get and have around for. You know, he he's low risk too. It's like he's not somebody that he's. You don't have to. You shouldn't. I don't. I'm not. Th- I don't think you're gonna have to trade three or four draft first round draft picks to acquire him. Um, and that brings me to you know, kind of like somebody like Dorian Finney-Smith versus somebody like OG and Anobi, who's been linked in rumors to the Pacers and I I just have some I just I just have a lot of hesitancy towards OG and Anobi making a making a move like that like trading away future future draft picks. Um, I mean it's one thing to trade away trade away like one future draft pick and then maybe one or two of our draft picks this year because we have five going into you know, this, this upcoming draft, I, you know, I just, I don't think OG Ananobi is going to be able to come in and just like elevate this team to a point where we're ready to go. But maybe he's the best that we can do. And like, maybe, maybe there's no way we can get a guy like, so, uh, well, I guess that's my point with Dorian Finney-Smith is, I think we should, if we really wanted to get Finney Smith, we could get it done, um, for a much lower cost than what it's going to take to get OG and Anobi. It was, yeah, it was rumored that the Pacers offered three first-round picks for him already, and that wasn't enough to get the deal done. So I would just have to imagine that it, it, the price is only higher than that, and it's, I just don't know. I, I don't think he's got. I mean, OG. OG has a lot to offer. And I would obviously be very excited to have him on our team um, if the price is right. And I just feel like if we're gonna get rid of future first round picks, which are so valuable, if it, like what, I mean, what it seems like is if you're a smaller market that doesn't have, you know, that's not, well, you know what, that's, that's, I don't know if that's even true. Not able to get the free agents. We're not not yet, but maybe it's different with Tyrese here. Maybe we do get free agents, Um, but basically, you only have you know that's one thing that you can do to compete with with the teams that are going to go into the luxury cap is you've got your first round picks and those are valuable, and I think I would just want to make sure that we know exactly what we need when we use those to acquire a player, and and do it at at the exact time and or you know do it at the right time because there. this team this roster is going to have a ton of change um if you look at like the the contract table a lot we have a lot of the roster that we had this past season is on the books for next year so they're gonna be we're gonna have a lot of guys come back but then if you go one more year ahead there's eight players um, there. Let's see who who did it. We got Buddy Heald, T.J. McConnell, Daniel Tice, um, Aaron Neesmith, Jordan Mora, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith. All those guys we're going to have to make a decision on in the next year or two. Um, are, are we going to pay them another contract? Are we going to what are we going to do with them? And because we have, you know, I guess when I look at those players, um, who do we want to pay out of that group? It's like, well, with those veteran players, there's Buddy Heald, TJ McConnell, Daniel Tice. Like maybe Buddy and maybe TJ, if both of them are willing to take pretty big discounts, um, like I don't want to be paying Buddy Heald 20 million a year and I don't want to be paying TJ McConnell Eight. (laughs) I mean, I I like I like I think he's worth eight right now, but for the next contract, I don't know. I I I don't think he's going to be the backup point guard for the Pacers in four years in the playoff run. I might be wrong, and because I love TJ McConnell, I might be wrong, and that that wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, but. It's like I could see all three of those guys. you know, if, if we're looking at our team two years from now, all three of those guys could be gone. Um, Aaron Niesmith, he's good. I like Aaron Niesmith. Um, I want to see I want to see what Aaron Niesmith looks like in his probably role for the that's best for the team like off the bench most likely. I don't see Aaron Niesmith as a starter. Um, and it's no knock on him. He did good. It's just that I think he's, he's not a starting power forward. Um, but I want to see Neesmith in his role off the bench and see next year, like, okay, is Neesmith worth, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's 13 to 15 million. Maybe it's in that Dorian Finney Smith range. Is he worth that? Is he a guy that you can trust? Is he one of your top seven, six, seven, eight players? Um, we know, I mean, I love Smith's game, and I love his attitude. I, he fits the culture perfectly. Age-wise, he's great. He's he's athletic. Um, he's tough. He's a guy that I could see the Pacers, you know, that being around for another contract, more so than probably, you know, Buddy and TJ and Daniel Tice. And then... Um, You know, going into next year, there's it's like with Jordan Wara and Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, all four of them, we're gonna have to make a decision on what we're gonna do with those guys. And at this point, you know, who do you pay? I don't think you know. And so I think that I think the whole thing I'm trying to say with you know, with all these guys that you know aren't guaranteed to be on our team two years from now, is before we before we go trading away all of our, you know, before we start giving away like half of our ammunition or taking, like using half of our ammunition as an organization. And maybe it's even more than that with, with the draft capital and the, the, the cap space. I don't know what the true cost of going out and getting OG and an is, but why don't like we could <clears throat> wait one more season. And that doesn't mean that we hope to win 35 games. We want to go win the, we want to go make it to the playoffs with, the internal growth of <clears throat> Tyrese and Benedict and Nimhard and Miles and even guys like Buddy and and TJ McConnell, if they're on the team um, and our draft pick. And, you know, even if we added a guy like, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, if we went out and got him, somebody that can contribute, like he could help us in the playoffs. And it, it's like, it's kind of like, I see like we're going into next season. Like we don't want to be a team that is, sniffing around the in, like we don't want to be one of the worst teams next year kind of like we were this year you know we finished with the 7th or 8th worst record next year hopefully we're in that 14 to 18 range um, pl- at least play in worthy um, with just internal growth and not, and not trading away all of our future first round picks for OG and Anobi who I love. I love OG Ananovi and he fits perfectly with the Pacers currently. Um he comes with a lot of good stuff. I mean, this past season he was the Steels leader in the NBA. He made second team all NBA defense. He's a six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds, seven foot two wingspan. He's only twenty-six years old. He's an NBA champion. I mean, he feels He helps our defense and fills the hole at that small forward, power forward position perfectly. Like, if we could get OG Anobi, forgetting everything I just said leading up to this, it's like, on paper, yes. And does that make us a a playoff team next year? Maybe yes. How much does he raise our ceiling? I don't know. but I I would be on I mean I, I would get myself ex, I could see myself getting excited for a starting lineup of Tyrese Nembhard Benedict O G and Miles next year, if that were the case I'd be I'd be tickled I'd be happy with it, but my gut says I don't think O G is the guy if we got to pay three or four first round draft picks to go to use that on I don't think we I don't think we need to try to I don't need to think we need to win playoff series next year we need to make. We need to make the playoffs. We need to compete at a higher level. We need to improve our defense. We need to prove that our offense is what, it's, what it was when it was good. We need to improve just organically with the maturity of our players and with the, the culture that we have. And I don't think we need to try to go get... I don't think we need to go spend everything that we have and, you know, to get somebody like OG Ananobi, who maybe, at best, helps us get past, like, the first round, I just, I don't know. But if the price is right and we could add him, i love it. Um, so, I'll just speak out of both sides of my mouth. I mean, that, you know, here's the other thing, too, with Ananobi. Like, all the defensive stuff, he, he has the accolades, his size, um he he would just be so good for our defense, but he shoots the ball well too. In the regular season, thirty-eight percent from three-point line on five and a half attempts a game. Um, I don't like. I think he might have averaged like sixteen or seventeen points a night. So he's good. He's he's a he's a good to average offensive player and above average, elite type. He's elite. He's elite. He made second team All NBA in defense. He's an elite defensive wing, which carries a steep price tag. Um, So I'm sure I would, if, if the Pacers traded away three or four first round picks and brought in OG Ananobi, and then I'm looking at our roster with the draft pick and Ananobi and all the guys that we have, I'm going to be super excited and I'll just forget about this, but there's just something inside of me that's, that doesn't think that it's the right time. It's not necessarily the player; it's the time. I just feel like with with the roster turnover that could happen, we should really wait and see. Like let the dust settle and let's see what do we have. What do who who are these guys? Do we want to move forward with? And then what do we need around that? And then we go and then we sp- and then we spend and we get it and then we win playoff series um, from then on, but. Another concern with Ananobi is I was looking at his basketball reference page, and just his his last 17 playoff games. Um, and 17 is kind of an arbitrary number. I think it's the it's basically since the I think it's since the Raptors won the championship in 2019. I think that's the number of playoff games that he played. Um, but, but like Dorian Finney Smith. He's averaging 36 minutes a night. So Finney Smith was 35 minutes a night on the sample size of 35 games. This is 17 games. Ananobi's 36 minutes. Ananobi's averaging 13 points, six rebounds, one and a half assists, and 1.8 steals and blocks combined. The shooting numbers in the playoffs, 46, 37, and 68% from the free throw line. So really, Finney Smith was a little less in points, a little less in rebounds, more assists, about the same in steals and blocks, and then uh, three-point percentage was better and free-throw percentage was better than um, Ananobi in the playoffs. Now, Ananobi's probably playing better defense, but the whole the whole thing I'm thinking about is just like, we can improve as a team if we add a guy like Finney Smith um, and... We can improve with Ananobi as well, and, and Ananobi makes us a better team than Finney Smith does. But just the cost is, is what I'm talking about, and uh, I just don't—I just don't know what it would cost to get him. You know, I don't want to do anything. I mean, three first-round picks in of itself just seems crazy, um, and certainly wouldn't want to do more than that. But who knows? It, may, maybe, maybe we get it done. Um, I, I have entertained the idea of. Maybe rather than a lot of future first round picks, maybe Toronto would be interested in the services of Andrew Nemhard um, and i Nemhard is borderline untouchable for me just because I love his game so much, and he is exactly what I want to root for as a fan of this team. so it would be really hard to see Andrew Nemhard get traded but If you could get O.G. Ananobi for Nimhard, uh, maybe Jalen Smith and Daniel Tice, and then only have to give up, you know, maybe a late first this year and maybe our first round pick next year and a second or a couple second round picks. I'm much more interested in getting O.G. Ananobi at that point. But I, I like the idea. So basically what I'm saying is I think I would rather give up Nimhard and less picks than give up a whole boatload of picks to get OG Ananobi. And just saying that out loud, I'm wondering: Is do I really feel that way? I really like Nimhard. I just, I just think that maybe that that many first round picks they carry more value. If we, if we want to go get like the missing piece in the future, we'd still be able, So bas- that's exactly right. It's like we would basically be able to get Ananobi basically swapping Ananobi for Nim hard when you're looking at minutes, next, projected minutes next year and still have all of our ammunition or most of our ammunition to go make that big move that we, that we need, you know, moving forward. So that's, how, we'll have to see how it goes. I, um, I just think that's kind of interesting. And basically, I'd rather get Dorian Finney Smith than give up four first round draft picks and have OG and an OB. Okay, another guy that I'm interested in is, he's kind of a deep, he's a deep cut here, and it's, it's kind of a, you swing hoping to hit, you know, maybe a double or a triple. And that was, no, I mean, I, you'd hope to hit a home run, I suppose, but I got Kessler Edwards here as someone who I'm very interested in seeing the Pacers go out and get, he's on the list of free agents. Um, It says that he, there's a club option on his contract and I don't know what that necessarily means. Uh, So I don't know if that means the Pacers could get him or, or not. So, or I don't know when we'll know that. I don't point being Kessler Edwards was on a list of free agents for next season. And, He was one that really stood out to me as somebody who I'd like to see who I'd be interested in the Pacers taking a swing at kind of like the Dorian Finney Smith thing where it's like, it's not a big risk at all. The cost on him for his upside potential, I think, is really interesting. Um, Kessler Edwards is six foot seven, six foot eleven wingspan. He's 22 years old. And. He basically looks like a slightly bigger Jalen Brown. Um, I was watching a game where he was, this was I think his rookie season when he was with Brooklyn and they were playing the Pelicans and I was watching him guard Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram's a 6'8", 6'9", you know, kind of the closest thing we have to Kevin Durant outside of Kevin Durant when he's on. And just seeing Kessler Edwards guard him Physically, um, being able to stick with them and contest his shot was really interesting to me. I thought, man, we could use somebody that could do that if his offensive game is able to, you know, go from probably be- below average to, uh, you know, at least average. But he does some interesting things offensively. Um, so he I think he has potential to be a good two-way player if he can hit. Um Here's this is kind of what I what I dug up on Kessler Edwards. Um, he's currently with the Sacramento Kings, and he was traded to the Kings at the trade di- trade deadline this past year um, from the Brooklyn Nets. So after so he gets traded at, in Brooklyn. He wasn't playing. In fact, he was actually playing in the G League. Um, and he played, and so I was interested to see what, what he did in the G League. And so he had 14 games in the G League on 33 minutes. He averaged 17.6 rebounds and two assists. Before I go any further reading G League stats, I will, you know, I know Goga Batase, you know, he was averaging like 20 and 20 in the G League. So I understand that it, it doesn't necessarily translate, but. Moving on with his stats. I just want to show it's like he can do this in a game. He so 17 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. He shot in these 14 games he shot 48% from the field, 40% from the three-point line, and 94% from the free-throw line. He he had averaged he averaged uh, 1.4 steals and 1.1 blocks. I love it when players average a steal and a block per game. It's just like stat stat sheet stuffers. Um He's got great size, defensive, um, you know, intensity and athleticism and youth. Like that's for sure. Like he, if, if he was coming out of the draft right now, like you know, you'd probably be interested in, in drafting him. It's just he hasn't quite found his footing in the NBA, but he did, you know, with the Kings. He got traded to the Kings um, at, at the trade deadline. And I was looking up his stats and like, so the the Kings obviously made it to the playoffs. They were the number three seed in the, in the Western conference and the last 17 games of the year, the Sacramento Kings, they went nine and eight during this span. And during that time, Kessler Edwards was averaging 16 minutes a game in in those 17 games. So I think that's kind of interesting to see like, okay, so he's playing on a playoff level team. He has he's getting consistent he's getting 16 minutes a night which isn't nothing and in that in the in that time so during those 17 games on 16 minutes a night he averaged five points two and a half rebounds and one assist and almost one steeler block um shooting percentages nothing great but 46 percent from the field 35 percent from three and 77 percent from the free throw line Okay, so that's like a lot of numbers, but the whole the whole reason that I was looking into that was just he was on a team that was winning basketball games. He was playing in some capacity and he was producing um, for the Kings this year. And he seems like a guy who can you know he can shoot the ball a little bit. I think he's got his to me his upside just is something I would be interested in taking a swing at. And, and seeing what you have. And I think depending on what you do, like um, if you end up getting like three or four other wings, like via the draft or something like, don't, I don't want to get Kessler Edwards and bury him on the bench. Um, like I don't want to sign him to a contract and, and not, and him not have any minutes. I'm thinking having him be that somewhere like on the depth chart, probably like your ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th best player. But like, you know your second or third backup wing. Um, I don't know. I think he'd be worth a shot um, if 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 you wanted to. Like I, I I think I'd be more interested in him in him than uh, probably. I mean I don't know. I was gonna say Jordan Mora, but he. It's hard to say. I don't know. I might just be drinking the Kool Aid on Edwards. Honestly, a lot of. The reasons why I like him is just f- almost physical alone. I just like his body type and his like and his athleticism um, is what is the most intriguing thing to me about him. And um, yeah, so I'd be interested in him. Another guy, Cam Johnson, just he's a wing from from Brooklyn. Um, it's kind. He might be in between, like cost wise, maybe between. OG Ananobi and Dorian Finney Smith. Um, but I think the logic, I think cam Johnson would probably still cost a little bit more than what I'd want to pay for him right now. Um, but he seems like a player that would really fit our team. And I I would be really excited to see cam Johnson as a pacer. Um, okay. A couple other like free agent type guys. Actually. Yeah. All four of these guys are, I think are free agents. Um, if, if if we do something with Buddy Heeld and and Chris Duarte, if they're no longer on the team going into next season, and we, and there's there's realistic there's there's minutes to be had in the in the uh, in the second unit at that like two three four range, and maybe even five because at right now we have to trust Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith, and there's a there's a I mean there's a decent chance that neither one of those guys would be. Um, playable in the playoffs, going into next season. I think that there's some here's some backup bigs that I would be interested in the Pacers just taking a look at and seeing if it fits. Um, Cody Zeller and Trey Lyles, and they just both happen to be from Indiana. But I've been those two guys in a backup big man role have have impressed me that I I would say probably the most of all the playoff games this year that I've been watching. I really I have really. Um, was impressed with Trey Lyles in, with Sac, in, with Sacramento and just the he just made a lot of plays um and then Cody Zeller I've been watching the heat and he's he's playing every night and he's looking good he, he plays within his himself and he he feels like a really solid role player um so once again I Cody Zeller, Trey Lyles, and then kind of in that same vein, but maybe a little bit sexier picks would be, I I would, I would be interested in, interested in adding, um, Bruce Brown or somebody like Kalen Horton Tucker, but that's only if we don't have, you know, Buddy and, and, uh, Aaron Neesmith or not Aaron Neesmith, but, but Chris If if we get rid of some of those guys and open up the minutes, I could see, um, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker or Bruce Brown being fun uh, fits in that second unit. Um, okay. And then basically tomorrow is the draft lottery. Um, I'm going to really take a look at, you know, do more looking into the draft picks um, or the, uh, you know, the players that the that the Pacers could potentially draft. Um, but some guys that are standing out to me right now that have piqued my interest, um, Obviously, Victor Wimbenyama would be a home run um, if the Pacers were able to get him. And then I would also kind of say the same thing about Brandon Miller. We'd have to move up in the draft most likely to get him. But if if we're in a position to get him, um, I would be super happy with Brandon Miller, I believe. um, Or someone I'd be super interested in the Pacers getting. Three other guys in this draft that have kind of piqued my interest. Anthony Black. Is someone who I I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, he's to me it's like so I would I I, I became interested in Andrew uh, in Anthony Black in in the world that I created where the Pacers traded away Nimhard in order to get OG and Anobi, and I thought about Anthony Black as being an Andrew Nimhard 2.0. and as hard as that is to. I love Andrew Nimhardt and I want him on this team. But like, on the other side of your brain, if you're going to say, "Well, it's just a business," it's like you could kind of look at Nimhardt as, you know, um, if you can if you can swap if you can switch him for one of the most coveted, uh, you know, types of players in the league, like OG and Anobi, and you used a second round pick on him, you know, it's like. That was really good, and um, if we were to do something like that, I have a lot of interest in bringing in somebody like Anthony Black, who I think uh, will be a will be a very good player. And, and I see a lot of Andrew Nimhard's game kind of with Black, except Black is six foot seven, just you know, just bigger and and more athletic, and he's t- only twenty years old. Um, I'm interested in Anthony Black. Moving forward, very also very interested and in, in, in kind of so like uh, most likely Anthony Black and Taylor Hendricks. This is the other guy who I'm really interested in the Pacers acquiring via the draft. They, they're probably going to be in the range where the Pacers are going to draft. Um, so I'm very interested in Taylor Hendricks, six foot nine, um, you know, power forward type player who I think fits this Pacers team very well and I would be he he might be my we'll we'll see how the lottery pans out but like Hendricks is he I got him I I, I'm I'm more interested in Hendricks than I'm interested in the Thompson twins or Cam Whitmore um, you know or any of those guys kind of up there I would probably be more interested in him like for the Pacers than even somebody like I don't know. I mean, probably even some. I don't. I don't know. I was gonna think. I was gonna say Scoot, but I don't know if I actually believe that. Um, Point being, I'm high on Taylor Hendricks. I'm looking forward to, um, unless the you know. Hopefully, we don't. Hopefully, I have no interest in Taylor Hendricks after tomorrow because the Pacers got the number one pick, and we don't have to think about anybody else uh, besides Victor Yama. However, um, if we don't, I'm 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 gonna keep my eyes on Taylor Hendricks and, and and really try to dig in on what. What he what kind of prospect he is. Um, and then this last guy that I'm interested in is somebody that the Pacers just brought in for the first workout of the, you know, kind of, of this like pre-draft stuff. And it was Andre Jackson Jr. from the the national champion, Yukon Huskies. Um he like if we drafted Andre Jackson Jr., I would be, you know, I'd be cool with the pace, like I'd be cool with him playing that backup wing-type position over, over getting a guy like Kessler Edwards. It's basically like if we don't draft somebody like this, that's why I, what I see Kessler Edwards being. Um, also, on the wing side, it's like we have, um, we have Kendall Brown, who's probably – I mean, he was in the pictures. He's, he's with, the, with the organization right now. It seems like he's probably going um, to be back, hopefully. I'm interested in Kendall Brown. Um, I was thinking about the summer league. And Kendall Brown is probably going to be, if he's with the team still, he, it'd be a good chance for him to be highly featured uh, because I don't see Matherin or Nimhard going to go play summer league. And Jackson and Smith are a little too old, I would think as well. And Dorte, um, Neesmith, I don't, it'll be interesting. It'll be a lot of, it, it's Kendall Brown and uh, our draft picks. And, and then we'll just have to see on that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, just like back to Andre Jackson, I, I, I watched his interview um, with, you know, after the workout and I just really liked the way he held like, like he, the things he said seemed really authentic. Um, he talked about really focused. So he's basically like, on, uh, his numbers are this, 6.6 rebounds, four and a half assists, over steal a game. Um, that was what his season was with UConn this year. So not a big score. But obviously you see you know, six rebounds and four and a half assists. He's really kind of a stat, st- stat sheet stuffer. <laughs> Second time, I still got it wrong. Um, but his, sh- his shooting's not really there. His, he really makes his, his bread and butters on the defensive end. And uh, in this interview after the workout, he talked about you know watching the playoffs and really watching P.J. Tucker and how the way that P.J. Tucker is able to kind of get into guys and um, impact the game outside of the box score um and that you know Andre Jackson he said that he sees himself as you know you know being somebody who can really focus lock in on the defensive end be a glue guy bring toughness he's six foot six um he's got really good passing you know and defensively he's really interesting um offensively it's it's not there so that does that is a little concerning um but he's slotted right now as you know a late first-round pick, so it's this is obviously not somebody that that you'd be taking with your lottery pick. So that's kind of where I was going with that. Um, I, I like him in the in the back in the and with one of our late first-round picks. I like Andre Jackson Jr. Um, just to get another wing in here and and, and see what he can bring. I think intang- he's got the intangibles, and I, and I just really um, I just got a good feeling about him. And that's why I'm, I'm interested in him. So uh, I think that's gonna, that's just the list of guys I got now. So that was a handful of guys that I'm interested to seeing if the Pacers would, uh, would bring them on. And um, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see how tomorrow goes and um, what well, we got to look forward to from there. So thank you for checking out the podcast and uh, hope everybody is doing great and has a good, you know, rest of their week, month, year. Um, Yeah, appreciate you checking out the pod. Have a good one.